We're in our uh, second installation in a uh, series, Teach Us to Pray. Uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, this this week. Jesus w- was around people all the time, you know. Uh, first of all, he had 12 guys with him everywhere he went, which that's enough to drive you crazy right there, okay? Just, I mean, for me at least, 12 people with you all the time. And beyond those 12, uh, there were other people. And Different people were pressing in and trying to get close to Jesus. And at certain times, there were crowds, and those crowds could grow large. It was overwhelming. It was just people, people, people all the time. And from time to time, we see Jesus kind of slip away to a quiet place to just kind of get alone with the Father and pray. And it was on one of those occasions when his disciples saw him. And they looked at Jesus off in the corner praying, and they said, he's on to something. Whatever's going on there, we want to know more about that. And they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And so his response to that situation was this prayer that we uh, typically call the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at both in uh, Matthew and Luke's Gospel. So what we're doing over uh, about a four-week period, I think, is breaking that prayer down. Last week, we looked at the beginning of it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we talked about keeping the name of the Lord holy or hallowed and what that means and how God's name is either exalted and glorified or really misused and desecrated through our lives and that we have some responsibility in that process and that part of the answer of that prayer to keep your name holy actually happens in and through us. And so this morning... We're going to continue with the next section of this little prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, that, as they say, is a loaded statement. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we will take a look at it. Uh, so Jesus, we do pray that your presence would be with us this morning, and that you would once again open your word, that it would refresh our hearts and uh, deepen our relationship with you that as the disciples uh, once asked, that you would teach us to pray as well. Oh God, in your name, uh, we give you this time. Amen. The concept of the kingdom or the kingdom of God is one that's uh, fairly familiar to most of us, or it should be at least if you're in the vineyard, if you've been in the vineyard for any length of time. It's, uh, It's pretty ingrained in sort of what we call our DNA, who we are as a a particular movement or a particular part of the body of Christ, uh, we're very, very committed to uh, the kingdom of God, the teaching of the kingdom and the practice of the kingdom. I wanted to just share a couple little uh, phrases with you from a little booklet called Core Values, uh, Core Values of the Vineyard. I don't know if we have any of these here, but you can, you can get it at Vineyard Resources. It says, The vineyard is a movement distinctively centered in a renewed understanding of the centrality of the kingdom of God in biblical thought. We view the kingdom of God as the overarching and integrating theme of the Bible. Uh, I would just say on that note that if we're honest, I think most of us would say that there are certain things in Scripture that don't make sense. Uh, You can can pretend that they do and you get it, but sometimes they just don't make sense. For me, the understanding of the kingdom of God uh, was incredibly helpful in helping to make sense of some of those passages. And so... I would encourage you, I'd be happy to share some different things you can read or listen to that would help you with that, but to me, it helps breathe life into Scripture in a way that I think otherwise sometimes is left out. 
continues from the beginnings, and that's the beginnings of the vineyard movement. The vineyard has been committed to the proclamation of the kingdom of God and to bearing witness to the deeds of the kingdom through healing, physical, emotional, social, doing justice, and delivering those held captive by evil. So we say we're committed to not only the theology of the kingdom, the understanding and belief of it, but also the practice of the kingdom. And so there's a reality that comes with what we believe. Uh, we we want to live that out and walk that out in through our daily lives. And we'll talk a little bit today about how that happens. Uh, since the kingdom of God is the future reign of God, breaking into the present through the life and ministry of Jesus, we are a forward-leaning movement emphasizing the ever-reforming nature of the church engaging the world in love. And we will talk about uh, that a little more as we go. So in the Vineyard Movement, we, we are uh, committed to the theology and practice of the kingdom of God. That means that we are partnering with the Holy Spirit in advancing or, or, or moving forward God's kingdom in the world around us today. So there, there's a lot there, a lot of rhetoric sort of. What does that mean? What does it really mean? What is that... What does that look like day day to day? Jesus told the disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is up there. That's where God lives. And heaven's good. Heaven's really good. And it's really good all the time. Uh, Revelation tells us that in heaven, God will wipe every tear from our eyes that there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. All those things, everything bad, all the evil, all all of it will be gone, washed away, completely erased. Earth is down here. That's where we live. And earth, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good, right? There, There is crying on earth. There are tears. Sometimes... There's a lot of tears. There is death. There is mourning. There is pain. And and let's be honest, sometimes there's a lot of pain. Jesus says, I want you to pray that my kingdom would come and my will would be done on earth here right now just as it one day will be then and there. That's what he's asking the disciples and, you know, uh, in reality, us as disciples to pray. I want to talk about the kingdom of God for, for just a minute because the kingdom of God is a little bit different than how we sometimes think of a kingdom. Typically, when we think of a kingdom, we, we think of a geographic location. So, for example, the king of England is the king of England. And so when you're in England, he's the king. And his rule and his authority go. What he says goes. He's the boss. But when you go outside of England and you go into France or Germany or some other place, then he's not the boss anymore. His, his kingdom stops at the border of England, right? So we think of a kingdom, we think of a specific location that a king has rule. Another kingdom we might think of is the magic, or I call it tragic kingdom. Disneyland, when you walk down that road, across that bridge, and through those gates, you enter the magic kingdom, the magic begins. And when your day is done, and you've rode every ride that you can ride, you come back 
through the castle and out across the bridge and the magic stops, right? The kingdom of Disneyland, the magic kingdom. was. It's weird though, isn't it? You ever notice it's a kingdom without a king? There's no king. Whose castle is that? It's Sleeping Beauty's castle. Sleeping Beauty's not a king. It's kind of creepy. It's weird to me. It's no king. I don't know. Don't go there. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is this, that we tend to think of a kingdom in terms of a specific location, but the reality of the kingdom of God is that it has, it's not bound by geography. The kingdom of God has no borders. Nothing holds it back. and It, it transcends uh, borders and extends to wherever his rule and reign might be, which oftentimes can be dictated by you and I where we take his rule with us to go. That's why we're called to be kingdom bearers, to bear the kingdom of God and to take it with us. We can take the kingdom with us wherever we go and we can cross borders. It doesn't end here or there. It goes wherever we go. And any of you who have you know, been in ministry at all on any level for any length of time, you realize that. You can take it with you to work, to school. You take it with you when you go to Mexico on a missions trip. You take it with you wherever you go. Uh, N.T. Wright says this, we can only pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, if we're prepared to mean, make us kingdom bearers. Make us a community of healed healers. Make us a retuned orchestra to play the kingdom music until the world takes up the song. Make us, in turn, Servants of the Lord, the few, with the message for many. Hey, that, by the way, comes from this little book, The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright. It's just a beautiful little book. I highly, highly recommend it. Wright can sometimes be uh, pretty deep, theological, and kind of heady, and a little hard to read, uh, but not here. This is very kind of almost devotional in tone, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think you can get it for about five bucks on Amazon. I, I, maybe not, but six bucks. I don't know. It's a great book. Um, we're bearers of the kingdom. We take it with us where we go. Uh, the other thing about the difference between heaven and earth is uh, not just space, but time. We tend to think of heaven as we're, we're going to heaven. Someday we'll be there. It's sort of a thing that's going to happen in the future. Um, there's, so there's not only a space continuum, there's a time continuum. Uh, but, but again, when we pray your kingdom come, uh, we're asking for the, the future reality of God's kingdom to take place in our lives right now. That, that's why the, the little document we read says that we are a forward-leaning movement. We, we want to press into the future reality of God's kingdom today. Jesus says any number of times, this is just one example, but there's many, many times throughout the Gospels, that repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's here now. The kingdom of heaven can be with you today. Um, but here, here's the thing, and here's the challenge. And, and this is the part that is difficult for us and where we really have to uh, engage in a very real uh, way in terms of seeing God's kingdom come now. And that is that we're instructed to pray for it and we press into it, uh, knowing that it has in fact come near, but that it's not yet complete. Uh, it's not fulfilled. It's started, but not finished. And the, the theological term for that is inaugurated eschatology. And what that means is this. 
Uh, eschatology is simply the study of end times. We talk about eschatology, we talk about how is this thing all going to wrap up, and any of you that were around, if you're, you know, a little bit older and you were around in the, in the 70s and the 80s in particular, you remember that it was all over, right? There was any number of predictions that Jesus was going to return and, and we were all going to be raptured, which is another funny story, but we won't talk about that today. Uh, but that didn't happen. Um, but, but the point is this, eschatology is a study of end times. Inaugurated simply means that those times have actually begun, right? So when, when, a, uh, when a new president is voted into office, uh, the election happens and, and that person is voted in, but they don't start being president right away, do they? There's a time period in which the existing president stays there until what? The inauguration. Inauguration is a big deal, right? It's a big day and there's lots of parades and bands and parties and speeches, and everybody shows up, and it's really big and cool. But on that day, the president, that new president takes office, but his job isn't done. It's just getting started. He begins, but he's not done. And that's what we mean when we talk about inaugurated eschatology, is that the end has begun. The kingdom of God has come, but it's in process. It's moving forward. It's not done yet. It's happening around us, and yet it's not complete. And I want to give you a, a, a little bit of clarity on that because it's important. This is a little diagram I drew up, and the two vertical lines there represent the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And so we live in between those two lines. And as you can see, prior to Jesus coming, sin was in the world the prophetic promise of the kingdom was there. Isaiah and other prophets would talk about this time of the kingdom of God coming, but it wasn't there yet. And then Jesus showed up, and the kingdom broke through that evil age into the present. Uh, and so the, the age to come began, and it's moving forward. But the kingdom, as it one day will be, is happening in that age in between. We're not there yet. We're in between. The best example I can give you is down there in parentheses at the little... In the, at the bottom, World War II, D-Day, June 6, 1944, Allied troops landed at Normandy, and uh, it was obviously one of the co most costly in terms of human life and bloody battles of the war. But on that day, the war was for all intents and purposes won. The back of the enemy was broken, and, and realistically, the outcome was secured. But the fighting didn't end. The battles, the war was won, but the battles continued for almost another year until V-Day, um, May 9th, 1945, 11 months later. During that 11th month period, the war was over, but the battle continued. There was still death. There was still pain and crying and mourning. Even though the outcome was secure, the battle continued to be fought, and that's where we live. We live in that time in between those times. The outcome is secure. We know who wins. I've read the end, I promise. But the battle continues today. And there's a tension in that. There's a challenge in that that's presented to us every single day. Every single day, we have to deal with the reality that God's kingdom has come, but it's not complete. And every day we pray for God's kingdom to come in situations in our lives, in the lives of people we know and love, and the situations that are happening around the world. And sometimes we see God's kingdom come, and sometimes we don't. And that's the challenge. 
And that's why N.T. Wright says we are to be bearers of the kingdom. We take the kingdom with us into those dark places, whatever they might be. And we pray and live and speak and breathe truth and life and light into those dark situations. How how does that happen? How how do we do that? Here's what's helpful for me. And and I'll, I'll just tell you. It's helpful for me to get a picture of what it's going to be like. To think about what it'll be like in the end. When there is no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning, when all those things are gone, when evil ends, when everybody's nice to everybody else. When everybody has enough to eat and a place to sleep. When nobody's sick anymore. To get that image in my mind of what it's going to be like when God's kingdom is fully realized. And then to begin to pray into that. And and where there are tears today, to ask the God of heaven to come and to dry those tears. And where there is mourning today, to ask the God of all comfort to come and ease that morning, and to put his arms around those people and breathe new hope into their hearts and lives. Where, where, where there is sickness today, to ask the God who heals to come and end that sickness and bring healing in life. Where, the, where there is evil and opposition t- today, to ask the God of peace to come and break down that evil and that opposition, that oppression, and to lift those people up out of those circumstances and make their lives right as God intended it to be. That's uh, how we as God's people press into the kingdom of God on a day-to-day basis. We contend for the kingdom by not only praying, but being life and light to those around us. It happens, as we read earlier, when we pray for healing. It happens when we uh, pray for and enact justice where there is injustice. It, it, it happens when we care for those who are in need. It happens when we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. It happens every time we ask God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here today, now, at this time, right here in this situation. Just like it will be in the end. So, with that, I would like us to, uh, to pray a little bit this morning for that to happen. So, uh, who's going to come up? Stephen? There you go. And we've got a few minutes left. I want to just ask God's kingdom to come in, in our hearts and lives afresh. Um, I think this that for us to be kingdom bearers and to extend the kingdom of God to others, we have to embrace and receive it first. I just think that's how it works. And so earlier we prayed, you know, Kevin, at the end of worship, had us pray for some of you who have got an inordinate amount of anxiety or stress in your life right now, and then said, you know, you can get more prayer later. And my guess is that probably several of you need more prayer um, in, in addition to that, I think there are others of us who are wrestling with other issues in our life that need resolution, and that resolution can come through the kingdom of God. <laughs>